0: His mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is
1: your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Thank you for joining me on this journey called life. And today I'm be talking about Spiritual warfare, if there are two subjects that we don't hear often in the church, one would be sexual issues such as pornography and masturbation and adultery, and the second one right behind it would be spiritual warfare. And the two are connected because the enemy is using spiritual warfare to keep people in bondage to different types of sins, especially sexual sin. And so I remember when I was struggling with that years ago, thoughts that will usually come across my mind often were I just cannot tell anyone about this. I dare not share this with anyone because what would they think if they really knew me? And then the shame was awful. And so the enemy jumps in and does everything he can to pound the person into submission who wants to get help. And he also goes after church leadership to say, hey, we don't want to talk about this because this is going to make people squirm in their seats. And spiritual warfare is just as critical because when we're we're discipling and working with people who come to us for help, often what we hear and see is that many of them are not equipped, have not been equipped by their churches in spiritual warfare. Tragically, many even question where there is such a thing, and th- that is so dangerous right now in a time when there's so much darkness. So before I go further, I have several announcements. In May, I'm going to be in the U.K. and Europe. <clears throat> and May 5th to the 7th, I'm going to be... Leading a men's retreat in Babio Police, Italy. May 13th, Saturday, I'll be leading a Porn to Grace conference near Vienna, Austria. May 18th and 20th, I'll be in Finland speaking there one evening, one night. And then on the Saturday, on May 20th, leading a Porn to Grace conference in Helsinki. <clears throat> and the Porn to Grace conference is our own conference that I put on that is for men wives, and teens. And May 27th, Saturday, I'll be giving a Porn to Grace conference in the UK in St. Andrew's Church, just southeast of London. So if you're in Europe, uh, come and join us. And domestic flights, I shouldn't say domestic, but country-to-country flights in Europe are cheap. I've seen some rates as low as $100. So Consider joining us in one of those areas, in one of those countries, and go to the website at blazinggrace.org for more information on the locations and the times. And if you're in North America or wherever you are, South America, we talk to people literally all over the globe, Australia, India, Sri Lanka, South America. If you want to hold a conference in your church or your organization, then Send us an email. Our contact information is at the end of the broadcast. So, onward. So as I mentioned, I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare today and sharing with you my own experiences, recent experience. So last Sunday, I woke up early. Usually I get up around 5.30 or 6.00 and then usually I have a lot of quiet time before everybody starts stirring around 7, 30 or 8, they like to get up a little later <laughs> before church. And so I woke up, had an hour of quiet time with the Lord, good time with prayer, time of peace, and, you know, I was feeling good. And then as the morning went on, a sense of anxiety started to, to creep in and I had nothing to be afraid of, nothing nothing that I was anxious of. It started coming and and rising, and and I've had this before where the enemy attacks with anxiety. In fact, a lot of times when I go and broadcast this radio show, even today I'll get hit with these little attacks of fear or doubt or, hey, you you don't want to do that or whatever it is because, you know, we don't want people talking openly about stuff like sex or spiritual abuse or sexual abuse or warfare so I'll get hit quite a bit most of the time before I come in here so the sense of anxiety is creeping up <clears throat> I have lunch with my family and then try and take a nap I don't remember one one thirty or 2 and as soon as I'm trying to sleep I'm getting hit with all of these lust thoughts they're just swirling in my mind of Images, things that I've seen or done decades before. And so I'm wrestling and tossing and turning, not able to sleep. So I knew, all right, here we go. You know, this is the battle's been going on and I haven't really done enough or done anything. So at that point, I stopped and prayed Psalm 91 and I prayed it out loud. And I'm going to read it right now. This is what is known as the Great Warfare Chapter. So Psalm 91, beginning at verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I say to you, Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. You will cover me with your opinions. Under your wings I will find refuge. Your faithfulness is my shield and buckler. And I'm personalizing this as I read it. I will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. I will only look on with my eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because I have made you, Lord, my dwelling place. Most High God, you are my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall me. No plague come near my tent. Lord, please command your angels right now concerning me to guard me in all my ways. On their hands may they bear me up lest I strike my foot against a stone. I will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent I will trample underfoot. Because because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name when he calls to me I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will rescue him and honor him with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation so Psalm 91 as I mentioned is the great warfare chapter and there are many times when I've been under assault that I've turned to it and just prayed through it out loud and that put an end to the battle right then and there so right after I read Psalm 91, it put an end to the less thoughts. Those stopped flowing. But the battle did not stop. And sometimes these battles can go on for quite a while, hours, even days. And with the ministry like this, it can be on again, off again, and, and continues, continuously going. So then the next thing I got hit with were thoughts of resentment, started to flow through my mind. Um, There was somebody that I knew who was a close friend with, and thoughts of resentment started trickling in about that person. And I shut them down. I, I saw them what they were. And the danger is, with resentment or any sin really, is once we start to bite on it, then basically we give the enemy ground in our life, even if it's a little tiny grip. That's enough. And then when we start feeding and playing on those thoughts, then they multiply. And the next thing you know, we're starting to fall down into a hole of resentment or bitterness or lust or whatever it is. So I I set those aside and kept moving. And then minutes later, uh, the thought came to my mind, I hate myself. And in the years past, I struggled with self-condemnation. And I didn't always see it as it was because sometimes I would think that, well, I'm just disparaging myself. So what difference does it make? But I see now that self-condemnation is an attack of the enemy. For one thing, what did Christ go to the cross for? He didn't go to the cross for us to sit there and wallow in shame and Beating ourselves up is not going to do an, make an ounce of difference. It's not going to clean us up. It's not going to relieve us of our sin or our guilt or anything. It's not going to do any good. So the Lord has shown me that over time, that anything I'm going to do with self-condemnation, it needs to go. Don't play with it. And so I shut that down. <clears throat> and then as time went on, the anxiety came back and intensified. And then I started really literally feeling like I was losing my mind, like I was going crazy. And the demonic forces can attack this way. And I've, there's been times I've been walking around and or just not doing anything particular. And it, it's just like this strong sense like I'm, I'm going crazy and I haven't done anything. And, and then I know, I see, I remember it for what it is. This is, this is spiritual warfare. This is an attack. So then I remembered that sometimes we need to call out the specific areas we're being attacked in. So that day I'd been attacked um, with anxiety and lust and resentment and bitterness and self-condemnation and even insanity. So what I did is I began to pray, and I prayed and asked God to place the cross of Christ between me and all evil spirits and all things, to, and also to place the work of Christ between me and all evil spirits and things. And then, one by one, I named them all. Anxiety, lust, resentment, bitterness, self-condemnation, insanity. I commanded them all in, G- in the authority of Christ to leave my presence. And right after I did that, the relief was immediate. And... And I give thanks to John Eldridge for that because he's the one I first heard that about in one of his books, Walking with God, where he talked about sometimes we have to name the specific spirits or what we're being attacked with. And sure enough, uh, it worked. So I go through the rest of the night, the waking hours of the night, and I'm fine. go to bed. But the battle still wasn't done. So around midnight... I have a dream, and it was one of the most ugly, evil, horrific dreams I ever had. I'm not going to share what it was. I don't even want to think about it, but it was sick. And the, those midnight attacks or 3 a.m. attacks because 3 a.m. is the witching hour when spells are cast. But those middle-of-the-night attacks are always tough because you're half awake and you're rest, you're Tossing and turning, and oh, I just want to go to sleep. And now I have to, you know, get up and fight. So I woke up out of the dream and then commanded whatever was attacking me in the authority of Christ to stop and to leave my presence. And then I was able to go back to sleep without any further problems. And then the next morning I woke up, and the anxiety is back again, big time. I felt physically weak, just really crummy, like like I just had energy for anything. And then sometimes what I'll do is I'll ask God, okay, what do I do? Because obviously this is going on and on and on. and Or what do I do? How do I handle this? And the thing you need to know and understand is that not every battle is fought and won the same. So sometimes, like I've shared, I'll pray Psalm 91. Many times I'll take up my authority in Christ. In Ephesians 2, we're told we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above all principality and authority and dominion. So many times I'll take up my authority in Christ. And every every single believer in Jesus Christ, you have his authority over the demonic realm, over anything that's coming against you or your domain, meaning your home. <clears throat> But where we get have problems is if we're compromised with sin. So holiness is critical when it comes to warfare. So I asked God that morning, what, is, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit spoke immediately, and he said, my word. So I knew he was talking about Scripture, and I read from Matthew and some of the Psalms out loud, nothing particular, I just— Read his word where I was in my quiet time in the mornings. Did not read Psalm 91. And then I often turn to Colossians 1 for a prayer for strength when I'm feeling weak. I'm going to read it for you right now. So this is Colossians 1, 9 to 14. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom In understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, and that's the key one right there for me, being strengthened with all power. I'm asking him to strengthen this body, my emotions, my spirit with all of his power according to his glorious might and my strength isn't really worth too much anyways, especially the flesh, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And right after I prayed that, the weakness faded away and God came through once again and gave me the strength I needed but the battle still wasn't over so got ready for work get in the car drive barely half a mile and we nearly missed getting into an accident my daughter works for me and so she was with me and there was a big truck that pulled out literally right as we were going and we we missed it by inches. So uh, this is the way my life has looked on Sundays ever since last summer. I don't know what it is about Sunday, <clears throat> but, and it really doesn't matter. But I do know the enemy does want to attack rest. He does not want God's people rested. He wants them tired, worn out, out, running around, And never stopping to rest, never stopping to pray. And that's one of his strategies. So he tries to do what he can to keep us spinning. And one of the tragedies of the time we live in is there's so many people, believers included, who are constantly on their phone, head down, or a lot of time on the Internet. And that can take you into places you don't want to go. Or even Christian entertainment. Good things like The Chosen. I mean... It's a good thing, but if you're spending hours on that, what that's going to do is it's still going to lull you spiritually. It's going to put you to sleep. It's still entertainment. And the guy who, Dallas Jenkins even, came out recently, he said 95% of the chosen is not from Scripture. They just filled in the gaps with whatever they filled it in with. So your power as a believer comes from your, your prayer life. That is the barometer of your spiritual power. So part of what the enemy is going to keep trying to do is to keep all of you busy and spinning around and head glued to the phone. And so you have to make intentional acts that, no, I'm not going to go this way in my own life. Not long after six, six o'clock at night, I just try and and let it all go and, and let my mind calm down and. And then before I hit the bed, spend some time in prayer. And that's in addition to my morning prayer. And then there's prayer during the day. But prayer is critical for the life of a believer in a day like this. So I challenge every one of you who are listening to spend an hour each day in prayer. It's so critical right now. And one strategy the enemy will use when you're getting attacked is to say, Hey, you're on your own. God doesn't hear your prayer. How do you know he even hears you? And, and so faith is so critical. We know that the shield of faith is one of the pieces of armor that we're given. And, and so when the enemy says you're never alone, you know what does Scripture say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. God, this is what you've said. I'm standing on it. Um, I mean, I don't see you. But I trust you, and I believe that you're there for me, and you are far bigger than anything that the enemy can throw at me. <clears throat> but every believer must be a part of a tribe. So when I go and speak, I'll ask people to raise their hands that they meet with another believer once a week for the purpose of prayer, support, and encouragement. Usually only 10 15% of the people put their hands up. And this is one of the great tragedies in the modern church is that so many believers are isolated. That's why we collapsed and came apart at the seams when COVID hit. And that's why warfare for the enemy is just so easy. So you have to be a part of a tribe and of of other believers. And so being a part of a tribe is important. Somebody you can ask for prayer is important. But my friends, each and every believer, like David when he faced Goliath, has to learn how to stand up on his own and take down the Goliath in his life. And you remember how God trained David for spiritual warfare? Because the battle with Goliath was not just physical in the physical realm. It was also spiritual because David would have had to look at a nine-foot-tall guy, warrior since his youth. I mean, that's a pretty big—I mean, the whole army of Israel was chickened out at that point. But how did David how did God prepare David? And I'll read you the answer from first Samuel seventeen. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. He's saying that in the plural. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And so, my friends, you can study Ephesians 6 and the armor of God all you want, but I guarantee you, you will learn to fight ten times quicker when you're thrown into a spiritual firefight and you're taking shots. And there there are benefits to spiritual warfare. It's It's not something to be terrified of. For one thing... Being a spiritual warrior makes you a prayer warrior because you have no way of getting through all this. The spiritual battles are going to be coming your way without prayer. You have to be a prayer warrior, and that's why you've heard me say every believer needs to be on their knees an hour a day every single day. That's where your power is, my friend. But also, spiritual warfare requires holiness, holiness, 'Cause I'm used to, I'm pretty worthless if I'm floundering in sin of some sort. Then you're basically cooperating with the enemy with with his work. If you're holding on to fear, or if you're holding on to lust, if you're holding on to hatred or resentment or bitterness, or worse, if you're in a lukewarm state, it's gonna be really hard for you to stand up and have any be effective in the battle. So the antidote is already always there. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And sometimes spiritual warfare can trigger the need to, to repentance. And that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. Spiritual warfare has a purifying effect. So holiness is critical in spiritual warfare. And unfortunately, that's why the modern church has lost so much of its strength and power because if your church has 70 to 80 percent of the men viewing pornography then your church is compromised same thing if you've got a third of the women viewing porn like I've been sharing on these broadcasts <clears throat> a church that is compromised isn't going to be worth very much in the battle and they're not going to be talking about warfare much like I've been talking about and that's one of our great weaknesses so Warfare burns off pride and increases faith because when you see God coming through for you again and again and again, then it helps you to see like, hey, I'm, I'm overcoming here. I'm winning these battles with God, and it builds your faith up. So anything that fires up your prayer life is a great blessing. And my friends, each and every one of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, you are meant to be a spiritual warrior and a fighter. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Do
0: you wanna be Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona.